Welcome to our podcast, Love Conquers. It's where Matt and I talk through 22 years of lived experience. We're not subject matter experts by any case, but we do try and we have a shite load of history. So come with us on the journey while we talk through all our ups and downs, our opinions, for whatever they're worth, and suggestions on how maybe we might be able to help you get through the bumps and hurdles along the way. At Love Conquers, we'd like to mention that this podcast is purely for information and entertainment value. It is not a substitute for proper professional intervention. If you're struggling or someone you know is struggling, please contact your local health professional. Alternatively, you can contact Lifeline on 13 11 14. Stay safe. Welcome to our podcast, Love Conquers. It's where Matt and I talk through 22 years of lived experience. We're not subject matter experts by any case, but we do try and we have a shite load of history. So come with us on the journey while we talk through all our ups and downs, our opinions, for whatever they're worth, and suggestions on how maybe we might be able to help you get through the bumps and hurdles along the way. At Love Conquers, we'd like to mention that this podcast is purely for information and entertainment value. It is not a substitute for proper professional intervention. If you're struggling or someone you know is struggling, please contact your local health professional. Alternatively, you can contact Lifeline on 13 11 14. Stay safe. Hey guys, for today's episode, we just changed up the formula a little bit and went back to a recording we did about two, three months ago. Um, At that time, I was coming through a pretty dark stage and had a pretty emotional sort of weekend at one stage there. And, um, you know, the product of that was that it caused us to sort of stop and take stock and and work our way through it. And so we decided to sit down and record some of that for you guys. If you are interested in listening, just um, be aware that there is some stuff that's pretty emotional and pretty raw. So if you're struggling at the moment, probably save it for a, a you know sunnier day. Anyway, guys, it's there. Hope you enjoy it. Thanks for listening. So it's 
Public holiday Monday. Public holiday Monday. And not a normal day for us to be recording. No. No. It's an ad hoc or a impromptu mm. recording, I think you'd call it. Yeah. Yeah. This is this is a follow up from the last forty eight hours. Mm. So why don't you introduce what today is about? Okay. So in the last sort of couple of days. In the last couple of days, there have been a couple of things, like a couple of, I guess, incidences had occurred. We had a recording night on Friday night and my my imagination and brain was talking about hypotheticals and, and like thought experiments and stuff like that, but wasn't doing a good job at communicating what I was trying to do with Kaz and then I just ended up making it a really un- unproductive and sort of unwelcoming experience and, and a pretty mean experience for you. And so... Not deliberately. I need to add that. Not deliberately. Oh. You didn't go out of your way to do it. You didn't recognise that you are doing it at the time, but you didn't go out of your way to do it. No, but then absence of conscious control is sort of also, you know, it's malicious in the sense of... It could have been avoided, I guess. That's it for me, I guess, from that perspective. So we recorded some stuff and the second half of what we recorded wasn't awful. There was some good stuff there and there'll be definitely some stuff there that I think will be worthwhile um, letting people listen to in the future. I think the first half is probably worthwhile of letting people listen to. It's our truth, right? true, 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 true. And that sort of went on. We did the recording, knocked off on Friday night. Rolled into sad day, and um, I just didn't. I didn't pick up on the. I guess I didn't put in place all the significance of what we'd had planned and going on. We'd planned a social gathering for some friends of ours and us at home, and um, it coincided with the launching of the podcast. It coincided with some friends of ours getting married soon and so it was a big chunk of the bridal party there as well. So it was kind of like an opportunity to really sort of celebrate a few things and I just didn't pick up on that or I didn't I didn't I didn't assign the kind of emphasis that it required. Um and I think that led me to trying to be productive but not in productive ways that were gonna be good for making everybody feel good and positive going into it. Um and so when you got home from breakfast and a few other things and doing some shopping for the kids and things like that, um, to get ready to get started and thinking you were probably going to walk back into a reasonable sort of a state as far as a house goes and I'd been outside doing other stuff that probably could have been pushed back or could have been pushed back um, a couple of hours or so or even days. Um, and so from there, you know, quite rightly you – Lost my shit. Yeah. Not quite rightly. I lost my shit and I shouldn't have. And I, for whatever reason, I tried to jump on it and sort it. I tried to just just get in and get it to a point where you felt like it wasn't all too much anymore. And for whatever reason as well, like it sort of led me to this path of going about that where I sort of withdrew into myself a little bit because it's kind of my go-to is that I'll sort of – instead of trying to inflict myself on a situation, I try and pull back a little bit so that I can um, 
really try and understand it and not unduly make it worse, um, especially if I've caused people pain too. Like I don't want to tread all over it. A lot of times when I try and confront the situation, I end up boxing people into a corner, which is sort of, it's not really constructive as far as arguing and, and sort of coming to terms goes. It's It sort of gives you no option but to turn around and be, you know, have a fight. So I sort of try and withdraw into myself a little bit because I want to try and control everything I can control that affects other people. Um, and so that led me to a the next thought, which was that, you know, and this is an abstract thought and it's, it might take a bit of explaining. So ask me to explain it if you need me to. Um, but it's that whole Icarus complex, you know, it's nope, that I don't. Okay. So in, in ancient Greece, they had a, a bunch of stories or tragedies that sort of, it's kind of like their Bible stories almost. So their mythology and their legends, and it's all about teaching them or guiding people into making good decisions. And the story of Icarus was that um, Icarus and his father, I think it was Icarus, yeah, Icarus and his father were trapped by a, a warlord or a, a tribal chieftain or something like that anyway. And they were, I think it was in a Citadel Island style of thing. So they were sort of locked in on this island, couldn't get away. And they decided, or the father decided that he could actually engineer some wings using wax and feathers and bits and pieces and stuff like that. And that him and his son could fly out of prison. So when the time came and he talked to his son, he said, Icarus, listen, you've got these wings. These are going to help us escape and they're going to be really cool. But what you can't do is fly too close to the sun because the wax will melt and it won't work. And he's got, yep, gotcha. And the second that Icarus and his father fly out there, Icarus is so enthused and so amazed with everything that he was seeing and doing and that he was escaping, but also too, like this is amazing event. He felt really powerful and strong. And as he rejoiced in this, he flew higher and higher and his wings melted and he fell. And so Icarus dies and dad's like, I tried to warn you. And that's, that's where my head goes in these situations um, is that I feel like I'm being Icarus. And so to paint perspective on that, I guess, for everyone is that for like the last three or four weeks, I'd been really working on, I guess, my personal administration skills and my time management skills and really working on trying to grip that up so that I could function almost normally, you know, like like so that I could, you know, juggle multiple things but then not lose track of shit and still get all my tasks done and things like that. When I'd come back in and realised that I'd put my wife into a state the way it was, and that she was hurting and frustrated and painful. I wanted to fix it, fix what I'd caused, but also physically fix the state of being that we're in. So I go straight to, I've got to work really hard and I've got to work really fast. And I need to really, really, really pull myself in because whatever it is that's part of me that's allowed this to happen is a problem. And I need to sort of dumb myself down a bit so that I'm not pushing that out. And the trouble is when I pull myself in, that also then spirals me out a little bit as far as the negative talk goes. And so from there, it's sort of 
led to a couple of hours of just sort of rushing from task to task, just trying to get enough done that I could take the pressure off you a little bit and make you feel less awful about it. And, you know, part of my self-talk journey on this is that I get pretty frustrated with myself um, and I end up on this track of like, I'm like, well, fuck, man, I can only change what I can change. And so, therefore, if I'm the problem, then I need to be the solution for my problem. And then I wind up in being like, it's so fucking tiring running into this shit again and again. And it runs into, you know, the the weariness of being mediocre just fucking grinds at me. And, um, and then from there, I just kind of evolve into a, like, I just, you know, I just, you know, it comes down to, and again, you were right the other day when you mentioned too, like, it's about achieving stuff, right? And so everything in, you know, my previous roles has been, I guess, achievement-based or met, um, merit-based. And so, you know, there was a metric to success there. But then when I go the other way too, I'm like, fuck, I just feel hopelessly mediocre. And I'm like, mediocrity stings so fucking bad and it hurts so bad. And I just want to be exceptional in some way or another and just for me too, but also too, I want to feel accomplished at something. I want to feel like, you know, whether at this point too, I don't really think I care about too much what that achievement looks like. You know, for me, it's just this, I get so tired of it. And then, and then I go to the part where I'm like, You know, I make that joke and I, I, I think I mentioned it to you in some of the conversations we've had over the last 48 hours too, you know, like when I talk about some people, you know, whether it be good, you know, in the case of people that are deemed to be, you know, successful or, you know, powerful or strong or attractive or whatever it is, I'm like, well, this guy woke up still being him. So I guess uh, he's all good. And to the other extent too, when, you know, me and the boys are hanging shit on each other, it's kind of like, well, well, you woke up and you were still you. So uh, I guess that's pretty rough. But it takes me back to a mental place of the day-to-day. Like I don't want to kill myself about any of this. I don't feel suicidal or anything like that. There's none of that. But it's like I wake up in the like that mentality for that microsecond it's like i wake up every day and unfortunately i'm still matthew page but i guess that's just what we've got to work with um and some days that's just like a fucking pretty tiring thing you know and like i said i don't i don't i'm not suicidal but you know in those moments it just doesn't feel very good to be me um which sounds like a really weird thing to say or a really i don't think it sounds as weird as you think it sounds yeah yeah. Especially with people walking the journey of mental health. Yeah. I think everything you're feeling in that journey is is probably relatable. I don't think it's I I think it's quite n- normal's not the right word, but I I think there are many people out there um that 
can relate to exactly what you've said. I know I can. I know in in my, you know, episodes where I'm really down on myself or whatever, it's it's never outward looking. It's not you're an arsehole. It's why aren't I good enough? Mm. And I think, <clears throat> excuse me, I think a lot of people can relate to that and understand that and say, you know, if, me too or, yeah, I get it. Um, the last 48 hours have been really hard because I was the trigger in this instance and I work really hard not to be your trigger. And the guilt that comes with that is pretty horrific, realising that I sent you into that spiral. That's, it's not a fun journey by any stretch. And then trying to own it to you and trying to pull you out when you're just not ready to be pulled out. You know, there was so many things I should have done and and no better than to do. Saturday, I just, I don't know, it it just got all overwhelming. I thought we were in celebration mode. I thought we were, you know, on the same page and it just slapped me in the face that we weren't. And, yeah, and again, from the perspective of this podcast – is so important to me. It's an, it's the next evolution of our book, right? It's it's the point of this is to show people that they're not alone. Yep. The point of this is to say we're 22 years in and we still don't have this shit squared away perfect. We're still getting it wrong, but we're prepared to get up every day and own that yep. and work through that and we're so much further ahead than where we were. If this had have happened even 5 years ago. Yeah. We would probably still be fighting. Yeah, yeah, it'd still be pretty rough. But, you know, and and I, that's not to say that you're through it. I don't think you're through it yet. I think you are still No, and admittedly, like, having to do, and not that I don't want to do this, this needs to be done, but it's like, to be able to be honest and open with this, I have to take my mental state in a clinical fashion back there. Um, And so I've literally just done a 12-hour flash field session of that in 20 minutes and so i'm through the other side of it but yeah they're like there's still yeah. psychic or psychological fucking garbage Remnants. hanging around yep, you know absolutely and you're still somewhat withdrawn and you're still you know a little bit irritated and we're all the thing that people have to understand is that there's no blame in this there's no you're doing this to us and that's a pretty that's probably one of the really significant reasons why I wanted to capture this moment because through this journey, for whatever reason, I've felt impacted negatively and I've reacted negatively, which has then led you to be in a negative space and then you react negative to that and then that impacts back as well. So all of this journey hasn't just affected you. It's affected me. It's affected the three kids. It affected our friends on Saturday yeah, night who probably did. felt a vibe. And everybody needs to understand that this is what mental health issues look like. Yeah. This is our life. This is our journey. This is what sometimes happens and sometimes shit goes bad. Yeah. And what do you do in that moment? What do you do... When it's bad, 
our saving grace is that we work really hard on the days when it's yeah. good. Yes. And so on the days when it's good, we talk about what are the plans that we're going to put in place when it's bad, and we work really hard to try and stick to that. Yeah. We don't always get it right, but no. we try. Yeah, we're still trying. You know, and and that's you made it. You're bringing up, you know, our friends as well too. And I get it. Like, you know, it's fucking weird for them. You know, they don't have the same situations going on, and they walk into a room and they think, oh, someone's not right. I'll ask the question, and somebody will give me an answer that will explain it, and then I'll have a tick box in my head. And that, and I get too that, you know. The tick boxes probably don't work when you see what I'm like when I'm not good, um, you know. And so, you know, I'm really sorry for for sinking the other night too, if, even just for the social aspect. You know, like that that comes down to again, you know, you you were talking about the ownership of, you know, what part you played. Well, there's part there that I play is that I know that my mood state will affect other people. Mm-hmm. And I still allow it to affect them, um, you know. Yeah. Um, and, and I think this is, again, this comes back to that real critical path. I don't think you necessarily allow, I don't think allows the right word in that. It, it's not like you sit there and go, I know I'm being a real cunt to everybody and I just don't care. No. I don't think your thought process even goes there because in that moment in that turmoil in that depressive state there's too much noise Mm. you're not thinking about the surroundings or anything like that I know I'm certainly not when I'm in that all I'm thinking about is how inadequate I am yeah or how much I've let the team down or what you know in that moment it's me 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 but from a negative perspective yep and that's not me trying to be an asshole to the world. That's not me trying to be an asshole to you. That's just me kicking myself while I'm already probably down hard enough. Yeah. And not knowing how not to kick myself. And that's what I felt you were doing on Saturday. You were just constantly kicking yourself in your own headspace and I was helpless to try and stop it. Yeah. And yeah, because I, I was convinced that I was a problem. Yeah. You know, and Well, and I certainly had a lot to do with that mm-hmm. process too. Yeah. <laughs> You know, like, and that's the trouble too, you know. My mentality goes to I'm the fucking problem. So what they need is, okay, oh, sorry, there's two places. There's two places I go to. One is I'm the fucking problem, so they need less of me. So I withdraw right back and I try and expose myself less. And the other option is the only thing that makes this any way right is for me to serve these people. And so I just get absorbed in making sure that food's delivered, that everything like that's sorted because that's something I can physically, tangibly quantify that, okay, if people came to my house, they expect to be fed. If I can feed people, they'll at least leave with one thing ticked in the box that they required when they entered the door. Like, it sounds really bizarre, but it sounds, I just- It sounds clinical. It sounds very process-driven. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't sound bizarre. It just sounds, well, to me it doesn't sound bizarre. Mm. But then I know you very well, so I know the mannerisms in which yep. you go down. And I understand food in your mind is a, a collective gathering and it's a it's something that you love to do. Yeah. 
um, and you love feeding your friends and being a part of that process too. Yeah, and, you know, the only – yeah, and I've got such a heavy emphasis on servitude um, is that my servitude will bring safety or my servitude will bring prosperity or my servitude will be, bring comfort to – the people around me and so therefore I can play a positive part because at that time too I'm, I'm feeling like there is no positive part. That's really hard too on the outside looking in because you are good enough. You're more than good enough. And so when you take yourself down that path of and whatever the trigger, like I get that on Saturday I did not help this equation but this is not the first time we've been here and I'm not always the trigger. No, and, and this was that wasn't necessarily the trigger. I mean – you know, there's a lot of things that were bleeding into this moment as well. Like that just might have been the one thing that I had thought, you know, in that moment, it was the one thing that I thought was doing okay and that I dropped the ball on it. And so I was like, fuck. But whatever the reasons when you go down in that negative self talk and that negative space of, oh, crap, I've woken up and I'm still Matthew Page. When you're the, when you're the partner, when you're the, the person that is right next to you on this journey, you're just screaming inside, like me, for me, I'm screaming inside my own head, I don't understand this because you are our everything. When does when do you feel that? When when does that when is that enough for you to hold on to? Does that make sense? Yeah. And and I don't know how to ask that question because that sounds real. Like for fuck's sake, Matt, get over it. Like why aren't we good enough? Why don't you see that you are good enough? But that's not the intent of it. Yeah, I know. And I don't know how to reach in with that message. And that's that's tough because. It's a very, like, there's a very, you know, the family group is so heavily caught in every aspect of everybody's life, of our little unit. And so, you know, it's like I become very, very, if for some reason, for a person that's not excessively decisive as such, like, doesn't walk into a room and just go, I have all the answers and this is it. Mm-hmm. Like, I become adamant in the fact that I'm the one causing pain and distress and so therefore I am the problem and therefore I'm not enough. I need to be better, do better, conduct myself appropriately, learn better. Um, and I can't, I can't disconnect that and I don't know why that is because clearly I do bring value. Oh, um, and and so <laughs> I know much. that sounds like a really under under qualifying statement or something like that but I get that I know that there's things that I bring I just do you know you're loved do I know my love do you know that you are loved yeah yeah even in that moment yes but it's not necessarily about you guys not loving me it's about you guys shouldn't have to love somebody who is inadequate and not and not qualified for that love, not adequate for that love, not deserving. But that's not your choice to make. No, I know. I know. 
I absolutely know. But then the part of my head goes to, well, you know, you can put up with a lot if you love somebody. And to me, then I go to, well, fuck, why would, if I had the choice to not make it harder on you guys to love me, then that would be the choice to take, not the one where you've got to take me warts and all, right? Like, you know, and I get that's a hypothetical and it's not practical and it's not real, but. No, I think it should be both. I, I, for me personally, you, you said it before in a previous co- uh, podcast episode. Why wouldn't you want to be the cheerleader for the one that you love? Yeah. And that means being a better person for you as well as acknowledging you for being the person you are. So I think, yes, I, I love the fact that you love me warts and all. I know I'm a flawed individual and there are parts of me that sometimes hurt you that I want to better. So for me, it's both. Mm. I do love you warts and all. I do take you for all your flaws, your imperfections, and the good stuff. Sometimes I explode. Sometimes I get shit wrong. Sometimes you just hurt me, and I tell you. And sometimes I just hurt you. That's that's good for me. That's that is us. That's you. You are perfectly imperfect for me. Thanks. I'll take you any way I can, Mr. Page. <laughs> I know. I know. I know. It's just fucking. Just what? It's just rough. That's all some days. So just not yep. you, but just. Yeah. Mental health is hard. It is. It is fucking real and hard, you know. There are people out there that will be having all these feelings. Thinking there's something wrong with them. And I didn't. I didn't know. Like I, I mean, I don't know. Who knows roughly what we intrinsically know in our hearts if we really look at it and that. But you know, I said to you yesterday, and and I don't want to get things twisted too. I've got very like a couple of very different and very separate psychological things goes on in my head. Um, and when you ask the question about me, like just, um that waking up every day being me was painful um, because I I didn't like what I saw in the mirror. And you said, how long have you been feeling like this? And it came, it became, I mean, I knew it was like that. I knew I'd felt off and on like this my whole life, but it became very clear that this was a big factor of my entire life um, that, that feeling of not um, being adequate, I guess, of not being, you know, we, it sounds really low-key and really cliche, but not being good enough. Um, I, I don't think that's cliche at all. I think hmm. that's genuine. Yeah, it is. Um, and so... You know, for me, that was like this, it's, it sounds terrible when you think about it, but I'm sure there's a lot of people find themselves in a similar case, but we're, you know, when I think about it, it's, it's 40 years of, 
and not hating myself all the time. Like there's plenty of times there where I feel capable. I feel accomplished. I feel like I'm getting some work done. I feel like I'm doing okay. Um, but it's been 40 years of you're just always going to be a runner-up if just like – and that's a real, you know, and I get it. You know, there's a defeatist attitude, there's a defeatist mentality. I don't know why that's my go-to. And I try real fucking hard to bury that shit deep and tell it that it's not fucking got any power over me. Um, but it has been 40 years of that. Of that, And in historical times, I've used it to fuel me. But the trouble is when you fuel yourself with stuff like that, there's a, there's a bill that comes at the end. And it's, it comes probably, what, 20 years in um, where it doesn't work anymore. It just stops working. And so then when it stops motivating you or allowing you to drive your angst, to drive yourself to be successful or to achieve something, then it just becomes a statement of fact at that point too. Um, and so, yeah, like it's it leads into a lot of other stuff as well and it's probably, you know, a natural proclivity that – also opens me up to a lot of other mental health issues if we think about it. But, you know. Um, like? Well, you know, it probably gives you, if, if you really look at it and be honest about it, you know, and I, I didn't have these conclusions in my head till, you know, more, more later in life, like more recently um, about the whole like, you know, just being disappointed in who I was. Um and so that probably, you know, always leads you down a path where you always have a natural proclivity to depression or to, you know, what they would call melancholia or, um, you know, manic states or something like that. You know, there's probably a big chunk of that on um, that drives or leaves me susceptible to those things. So I have to be very, very clear and very careful on my mental health checks and, and how I build my mental resilience. Um, but also who you let in to help do that too. Because I asked you the other day, why have you stopped seeing your psychologist? And your response was because of the codependency. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, and this is not a negative against my previous um, clinicians. Oh, sorry. No. My, my most recent clinician, um, we had a friend, have a friendship, um, he was going through some struggles himself at some stages there. I was going through just trying to work out what the fuck I was doing with myself. Um, and I I was open and interested in doing the psychological work. I just, I don't know. It just, it never evolved to that state. And that's where I sort of struggle is because we get one of two two options. So, when I lived in Armadale, pre- or when we lived in Armadale previously, you know, we had a lot of treating clinicians that weren't that weren't military aware or weren't really didn't really understand it. They understood the abstract concepts of it and things like that, but they're dealing with you know psychological children issues, they're dealing with teen issues, they're dealing with um, civilian issues, and. So one of the clinicians that I went on was just super interested in everything 
that was war-related stories, um, which, you know, for me, that was fine. Yes, it was part of it, but also, too, that's not necessarily where I needed to do all the work. No, that's right. I think that's probably the least area you needed to do the work. Yeah. Your, your military, the, the, the mental health journey of your military life is the loss. Yeah. Not anything you achieved in uniform. Yes, yeah, everybody thinks that I'm... War broken. Everybody thinks I'm crazy from war, but I'm crazy from fucking not being able to do my job. Yep. Um, And and it's not just as simple as that too. It's also having a group of people that were actively interested in just sweeping the mess from one side of the, you know, the office to the other as opposed to actually helping or getting in and doing the jobs decisively that would have actually assisted it. Wrote about it in the book. It's not the ADF um, we blame. It's six individual people yeah, who dropped the ball. That's it. So, you know, it it was hard in those days because everybody wanted to hear war stories because they weren't familiar with it. But war stories wasn't my issue. I was, you know, I had a change management issue or I had a grief issue, not a necessarily I saw too many things when I went to Afghanistan story um, or that you know, the stuff that we were doing was an issue for me because I never, I don't have any issues from what I used to do at all. Like the, what I did was the job and it needed to be done and that's just part of the job. But, you know, I needed assistance and I needed help quantifying it properly that the issue was that I was, I had a loss of identity and I had an adjustment issue as opposed to it's just all too much. Um, and so then, you know, been through a couple of different people and then met one down here on the coast and and we formed a good relationship and it was cool and we were checking in and we were, you know, doing some work stuff, like working some psychological stuff, but a lot of it was just sort of we'd just turn up and chat. Um, Have you not seen anyone since then? I see a psychiatrist, but that's more chemical-based stuff right. than anything else. Than, yeah. I thought you were seeing someone. Yeah. I, uh, yeah. So I still see them. Um, so I need to really probably delve back in there and start my next journey in my mental health chapter as far as that goes. And I think that there's a really important message here too in that you need to do that. Yeah. You need to own that and you need to find the person that's going to work for you in that area and that's not me. And this is what it's it's really important to understand that I I love you. I am your wife. I you are my best friend. Um I want our life to be everything, the good and the bad, and when you're down I will do what I can and I will try to avoid being the reason you're down, but I don't have all the solutions and I don't have all the answers and sometimes you have to be accountable to. Yep. And this is where we constantly come back to the owning your own worth. It's about when you own your worth, you've got to own it all, your flaws as well. Yep. And your need for help, you have to acknowledge that and you have to be prepared to go and find it and work for it and get it. And then again too, you know, like it makes it more apparent to me too as we go forward, I actually need – most people think of the the 
clinicians as being, you know, oh, you just go see a, a psychologist and you talk about it or they, you know, they give you some homework and that's how it is. But it's really important too to understand what you need. Um, and for me, I think what I need is more along the lines of um, performance coaches or performance psychologists, psychologists, as opposed to just a standard talk therapist or a counsellor or you know, something like that. And that comes from the mentality is that I'm still not ready to stop. That's right. And you and I talked about this yesterday. In the military, you achieved. You absolutely, you fast-tracked promotions, you were awarded things for stuff, you achieved and you felt that and you fed off that and you wanted more. Yep. And since the loss of that, you have tried in other avenues, but it's just not been your jam. Yeah, it's 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 really tough too from that perspective because, and I know I say things, a lot of, a lot of things are really tough, like I'm, you know, all these things are so hard to do and I just don't have the time. But, um, you know, it's, yeah, it's it's tough from that perspective because I lost my mindset. There's no obvious answer to what your next achievement is. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's where I was going too. So, you know, in the ADF, there's a, it's kind of a weird weird achievement culture, right? So there's a certain place for people that are, you know, capable and are achieving. And then there's a certain place for the people that are quite happy to competently get the job done, but not achieve or excel too much. Yep. Um, and that's a really, you know, interesting place to find because you'd like to think that everybody in the military is super motivated, super capable and, Historically, maybe that was the case. I don't know. I've seen and I've worked with other militaries. and We've seen both sides of that. Yeah, exactly right. And so, <clears throat> you know, it's that there's there's plenty of those guys that are just cruising through. Coasting and happy through. to. Yeah. And, and, and complete. Yeah. Content. That's the word I'm looking for. Yeah. Content to do it, which is cool. That's There's nothing wrong with that. No, no. But there are people who feed off achievement. I, I'm no different. I want to feel like that's why I get so passionate about the projects I work on. Or if I get excited about something, it's that that ability to achieve it, that ability to chase it, build it, achieve it, yep. find the next one. But I honestly think watching watching you as a soldier and then, you know, everything beyond it's been, and, and I put posts up quite a, bo- a lot about this in My Broken Soldier, you've got to find your space. Yep. You've got to find your support room, whatever that looks like. It doesn't have to be a clinician's room. Yep. You know, for you, for a long time there, it was jujitsu. It, it kind of filled a gap for you in that camaraderie and that group of like-minded individuals that were trying to achieve the next thing. Yep. Um, I, I and I don't know if jiu-jitsu still gives you that. I, I feel like it doesn't at the moment, and I feel like you're struggling to to fill that gap again. Yeah, yeah. Look, I, I definitely am, and I mean, this month, you know, if it's a perfect storm, if it's not a perfect storm, then I don't know what is because <clears throat> I think, and it's a really, really valid point, and I think it's really important to 
to just like, I guess, bracket this with the, the key information is that it doesn't matter how far your journey is down you are, if you are compromised mentally, you're tired or you're compromised because you're isolated or you're compromised because you're tired or you've been ill or whatever, you are at greater risk of the psychological aspects stirring back up again. Um, And that was me. That's where I think a lot of this has, why it played out the way it was, why I went into such a big depressive state was because I'd come back off a month of having having an infection in my hand from training. and it was like four savage doses of antibiotics just to clear it out. And even still after a month, I still have like a big lump on the back of my hand. Um, and then on the tail end of that, I got sick with the whatever the flu slash bug is that's going around. And so, you know, my body was beaten up. Um, and you are not a good sick person. No, I don't. you refuse to stop. Yeah, I don't enjoy being idle. It um, does my head in being idle. And so, you know, that's hard in itself, but there's obviously things that I just physically cannot do. Like I cannot allow this hand to get compromised any further because it was really at a point there where I think in the early days too, it looked like it was, you know, I might've been at serious risk of having to get skin grafts or lose a hand sort of thing. It looked yeah, pretty, it was, it pretty was, awful. Just to give perspective on this, your hand had swollen to the point where it was probably double or three times the size of your normal hand yeah. and it was heading up to your elbow. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it had got pretty bad at that point and it, it sprung up overnight sort of thing. Yep. Yeah. This isn't something that you just hung around and left for a week or two. Like it yeah. hit real hard, real fast. Yeah. Tuesday night, I sort of looked at the back of my hand and at training and was like, oh, that's a bit swollen. It's weird. It's like a bit of a sore patch. Thought nothing of it, and um, yeah, oh, by the morning we? it was pretty bad. And the the medications, the antibiotics, like they knocked you for a six. Yeah, it was it was that was a lot, and that was very hardcore sort of stuff. But mm-hmm. you know, and I think too, like having a bug that savage in my system um, has its own. You know, there's obviously a lot of toxins or stuff like that that's processing through that. You know, cloud the ability to be able to make quantified decisions or sensible mood state decisions and things like that or Mm. take that into account the way you're supposed to, I guess. Um, So a perfect storm. Yeah, look, it did. It really set it it up for what was a perfect storm. And the worst part was too, like all week or like for the two or three weeks, you know, really, really working on my personal admin, really, really working that I'm making sure to keep the house and the back of house, I guess, running as much as possible so that you could go to the office and do what you need to do. I think that's a really important perspective to bring into place too. So for the last probably 18 months, I've worked from home, solid, solid from home. We homeschooled the kids. That meant that you and I were both here five days a week to bounce off each other. Um, and, and we just got into this perfect routine. And then all of a sudden I had to go back to the office. Yep. And that's a massive impact. Like it's it's four days a week, but I'm gone at seven thirty. I'm not back till sort of five thirty, six o'clock, yep. and bang! All of a sudden, now you are on your own four days a week with the kids and the house and the education and everything that goes with it. And I'm sending you lists. Yeah, which is I mean, and that's our system that works. Yeah, but we were both sad. 
We yeah. missed each other. Yeah, we do. So I think that also added to the perfect storm. Yeah, 100%. 100% now because, you know, and we tend to do this. We tend to go into this mentality for each other where we need to protect the other person. Yes. Because we can see their suffering and we don't always, I guess, inform the other person that we're trying to be that yeah. either and that can cause its own stuff. Yeah, because you get too strong and then you fall down and don't realise. Yeah. Yeah. You don't get too strong. You feel like you have to be too strong. Too strong. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, so, you know, on this end of it, it's, you know, we're getting there and we're in a better place together and we understand what happened and, you know, we've worked through it better. Um, and we work through these things much better than we do, but I guess, you know, you, you suggested, like, I want to record this and I was like, yeah. Yeah, I was open to it because, you know, like what happened on Friday night, we need to be honest and open and this is part of that open and honesty. I just, last night, I wasn't quite there yet. I still felt very raw. Yep. Um, And so, I mean, I've been doing a number on myself for 24 hours. So, you know, I just needed to take a second and recover because like this morning having to go back into that mind state so I could recount it properly, it... I don't want it to be, seem like it's one of the world's great big efforts, but it takes a bit of Of course. Effort mental and effort and, and yeah. And look, <laughs> I, I the best way I can relate to this is I came home a couple of weeks ago and you had spent like almost a full week doing nothing but office work. Like you were all entrenched. I forget what we were there was something. It was, we were doing something. I, was, I think I had to do multiple online courses and just keep the place oh, running and organise yeah, yeah, tradesmen's yeah, yeah. and yeah, yeah. stuff like that. And it that. was all mental stuff, right? You you yep. had gone a whole week not doing physical stuff. And I was sick, so there was no training. Yep, nothing. And we got to the end of the week and you looked at me and you went, I don't like your life at all. I, I don't. You, you can keep your world. I don't want anything to do with it. Nah. <laughs> because you realise that being in that office environment, you know, full on eight, ten hours a day, Mental exhaustion can have as big an effect on somebody as physical exhaustion. Yeah, hundred percent, it does. And you can't. It, it's it's brain fatigue that then becomes body fatigue. Yeah, yeah, and it's another. It's a different. It's a different mindset, right? Because, and this taking a spin just onto the military side of things, right? We can we teach ourselves to become very capable of enforcing our will on our bodies. So. Mm-hmm. It's it's common for soldiers in Northern Territory or or up in Townsville to go down with heat injuries because they will mentally keep themselves going regardless of what their body's telling them. And if the boss tells them he needs another 10%, a lot of blokes, you know, if it's not their ego driving it, it's the want to make sure that the other guys around them, A, don't think less of them, but B, don't lose heart because they see how hard you're doing it and you're still going. So they'll be like, well, if that can't can do it looking like that, I can do it feeling like this. And so, you know, that mentality and that serves you really, really well, but then we don't take into consideration the mental strain it takes to be able to inflict that on your own psyche to keep yourself moving at an academic or a, at a psychological level or, you know, using your brain to do work, right? Because the brain is the thing that's strong enough to keep your body going, 
but even your brain's not strong enough to keep it running through that fatigue level, right? Yeah, that's right. And, <laughs> and, and it's got to, and, and this is where a lot of people come unstuck because me as well included, guilty as charged, my brain never stops. Mm. And, you know, people talk about, oh, I just go to sleep and I, I'm wide awake and I think and I think and I think and I think. My brain never stops to the point where my body never stops either. And this is where all the twitching comes from and the moving because everything in me goes so fast. And I, because I never learned to slow down, I've now come to this crashing end. And, you know, now we find I'm on all these medications to try and stop all the fits and you've got to learn that the brain is as important as the bum and the legs and the arms and- Treat it accordingly. Be kind to you. Yeah, well, how, how often, I mean, and this comes down to our individual bugbears with how we look at mental health and how things in, I guess, organisational structures is treated in mental health, you know, and we had that statement or we may, had a chat about it the other day. We had a podcast about mental health strictly. And, you know, for me, I was like, why are we not, setting examples of this stuff you know we understand that this will keep a person longer in the field we understand a person is more resilient when they are stronger mentally Mm -hmm. and yet none of our ceos or very few of the ceos that are you know writing papers or doing interviews and stuff like that are talking about their weekly or monthly check-in with a shrink and our cdf doesn't talk about his monthly check-in with a shrink if he has one and none of the force commanders or field officers or any of the type because they're still in that mentality that it displays weakness yeah and that shits me yep and so we have a culture whereby people will put we understand now people are less overweight than they've been in the last 10 years um our generally across the board that that side of things is dropping in certain age groups and age areas as some factors die out because they're obese and they're dying, mm-hmm. but also people are learning more. And so we understand all this about our body, but we don't want to put the effort and work into our mind because it's still deemed to be you can't handle it or you can't. And I agree with you. I, I don't want to take away from the people who have put the effort in and are working really hard physically either because no. I think physically helps mental health. 100% I, does. I, I think Absolutely, they go hand in hand. But there's that other side too that says and just screams to me, why would you put the effort and and intent and everything else into making sure physically you're healthy, physically you can move, physically you're agile, you don't have your residual fat around all your organs and, and you, you want longevity in life, but you don't treat your mental health as importantly yep. as you treat your physical health. They are one in the same people. Yeah, it speaks to my point. That's exactly where I was going with it, eh? Cause, they are one in the same. Yeah, you know, I still got friends that are absolute just not great people for starters, but they got some sweet ass guns. Yep. You know, it's like fuck bro. Yep. You know, and physically you look amazing. How's your headspace? It's yeah, and a lot of it's trash. Like yep. a lot of it's so caught up in, I guess, well, you'd call it this day and age we could probably badge it psychological junk food or fast food. Mm-hmm. You know, the same way that a lot of television these days is psychological fast food. Like it's just yep. superficial. Yeah. You know, we don't want to actually have to try and fucking I now wear. Yeah. That's <laughs> it, eh? 
Trust me, I know it. Like after this last 48 hours, like I have been reminded about how ugly and how alone, how dark a place it is and I get it. But at the same time too, it reminds me too that that's where the edges are. Yep. You know, if I look for where it's uncomfortable, if I look for where I feel trash, then those are the things I need to work on. You know, we have this en- emphasis too, like on a lot of things. We And a lot of it's broad ranging, a lot of it's very cliche and a lot of it's very pop culture in the sense of, you know, we talk about like, okay, culture. Well, you know, back in the day, our parents' culture was like, well, we just drink more, right? <laughs> <laughs> drink more, smoke more and smack kids. Yeah. If I beat my children, they'll be silent and yep. so people will think they're polite and behaved. <laughs> It's like, well, your your children are scared. Yeah, you know, yeah, our our kids are polite and behaved, but we don't beat them. They swear like tow truck drivers. <laughs> <laughs> That's very true. Our children do swear. <laughs> to be fair, though, they have also been told that it's allowed. It's yeah. fine we, because I'm not going to justify why they can't say a magic word, but they can say a normal word that means the same thing. That's exactly right. It's fucking yeah. terrible. It's ridiculous, right? <laughs> but, again, that's our parenting logic and we're not telling you it's right, wrong or indifferent. We're just saying if it's in the dictionary and it's used in context, maybe take the hysteria away from it. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> However, our children also know that society will judge. Yeah. And so they don't go out in public going, ah, fuck. <laughs> no. Exactly. Well. Most of them. Yeah. Addie. <laughs> she, she swears like an old lady does, hey. She swears oh, just like awesome. a 90-year-old. Like like when a 90-year-old lady drops one, you're like, oh, yeah, that's fun. So, so i got to bring this up because I'm thinking about it. It's making me laugh. Saturday night, for all that it was, you know, horrific in between us, um, at one point one of our mates rocked up and he's just killing himself laughing. And like, what's so funny? He goes, ah, I just walked outside and uh, see Addie. Hey, how you doing? She's like, I'm good. I go to the gym and I'm working out. And he goes, oh, cool. What are you doing in the gym? And Addie goes, well, you know, on the bike and on the treadmill and, you know, just some other shit. <laughs> and he's like, cool. <laughs> I had nothing. Our kids are funny like that. Like, and, we've, and I guess that's, I don't know. I love it. I, I do enjoy it too. I enjoy that they speak to adults as if. They they understand that they're communicating with an adult, yep. and so they're going to adjust their verbiage directly because they don't speak to their friends in those sort of colloquialisms. And he does. Well, yeah, but and you you told her off yesterday no, 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 for yeah. swearing in well, front of another kid for calling the goat a bitch. Yes, because well, admittedly, she got a shock, and so therefore she was like, "You bitch." <laughs> But I was like, there's a three-year-old right there. We do say that Matt raised Addy, so (laughs) (laughs) you can tell the difference. (laughs) However, she was on her farm. She was on her ranch and we have told the kids. The goat was being a bitch. (laughs) And we have told the kids, like, in your home, you feel comfortable. Yeah. And we are not going to be hypocritical parents that swear in front of you. And then don't allow you to use the word if you're using it in context. Exactly. Our kids aren't allowed to call each other names. No, we, we've got a big firm rule on name calling. Yep. There's, and there's a couple of things behind that. Like I don't – I think it's – I think it's really disgusting when people that they suppose – people people that are supposedly have an affection for each other or a relationship and they stoop so low as just to do something base level like name calling. Like you're not even actually – 
articulating a point. You're not actually communicating your hurt or pain. You're yeah. just actually just throwing something at, and it's it's and it's straight up trying to hurt another person. And yes, it is. I know in our early years that that would be my reaction. I would strike out because I was hurting. Yeah. And I had to learn what you're saying now. Yeah. So, you know, there's going to be people who are still back in that 20 years ago where we were yeah. today to learn that it, it, there's no need for it, to learn that there are better ways. Yes. Now's the time. Yeah, agreed. Like, it's, do it now. <laughs> not to, not to hook back onto a topic that was a little bit sore the other night, but when would now be a good time to start? Um, yeah, but you know, it's a massively important difference and understanding. And I think for me, the first time I ever was in a position where I, I didn't have an out outside job was when we moved here mm-hmm. and you were then doing the Manus work, the, the FIFO work. Um, and that was you home for three weeks and gone for three weeks and home for three weeks and gone for three weeks. And I had three kids under five all at home. For me, I'm very structured. I'm very routine-oriented. So washing done, three meals a day, kids looked after whatever, whatever, whatever. I just embedded myself into a routine. Yeah. The part that I struggled with in all of that was when you would come home. (laughs) Yeah. Because those three weeks I could just shut down. I missed you and it was horrible, but I just shut down, embedded in the routine, and off we'd go. You would come home. I'd be so excited about you coming home and I'd want to spend all this time with you, but then you'd also, you'd be another entity in my routine. And so everything would go skew if. And we had to find a way to balance with all of that. For you, you are not as organized as me and you're not as structured as I am and you are certainly not routine. You and Scarlett in the ADHD world, you know, there isn't those kind of elements. So I think... These things have to be taken into consideration for stay-at-home parents too. Like if you're struggling, it's not necessarily that you're failing as a parent and please don't think that because our kids adore you. They love you. They they love it when mum has to go away for work because it's dad and they learn from dad. And, you know, for anyone listening out there, dad is, I'll joke and say he's the pushover, but when dad needs to put his foot down, God help those kids because he does and they know it and they stop immediately and dad's army voice comes out and that's the end of it. But they also bounce back really quickly too and so do you. Nothing's yep. ever held on to. And- that's the biggest thing I want to for, for as far as my project, my approach to parenting was to make sure that we could – acknowledge failure or wrongdoing and that we could, you know, make restitution and we could move on in a constructive fashion. There was none of that now in my house previously. Yep. Um as a or kid. Or mine. No. Or mine. You were constantly reminded at what a fuck up you were. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's weird. And I'm not so questions. sure that I got that wrong with the first that, that I got that perfectly right with the first two either. I think nobody's Starts out as parents to fuck up. I don't believe. No. I just think you are, 
you become what you're taught. Yes. And if you really like what you're taught, then you leverage that and you build on it. Yep. If you don't like what you're taught, then you work so hard to rebel against it and be everything that it's not that sometimes you go way too, too far. far in the other direction, which is I think what I did largely. And you have to pull back at some point. You have to find that balance that goes, I understand how I was raised. Yes. Understand what I've done over there. And now here I'm just going to try and take a step back now and breathe a little bit more. And, yep. um, you know, when when kids have got to be pulled into a line, I, I don't believe in this whole sit down and have a three-hour conversation. I believe that. I don't think they like it either. No, I don't think they do. And I think they check out. Like you lose them five minutes into it. But I think there still has to be those checks and balances. There still has to be consequences for actions. And and I think we're really fortunate in that if they do something that requires some form of acknowledgement, of reinforcement, of correction, of punishment, of consequence, they get that from us and then we all reset and we keep moving forward. Yep. And they're confident enough. Like even Scarlett come up to me the other day and you and her had gone to loggerheads about something and she was upset and you were annoyed and all the rest of it. And then she came into me and said, um, I'm going to bed. Should I go and say goodnight to dad? And I said, of course you should. You should always go and say goodnight to dad. Yep. I said, baby girl, your father has moved on. Everything that happened an hour ago, that's in the past now. He's reset now. He's had his peace. You've acknowledged it. You're going to learn from it and move forward. Your dad's not holding on to it, I can guarantee you. Yeah. And sure enough, she come up and said goodnight to you. She come down to me and she gave me another hug and she said, Dad's cool. Yeah. Yep, Dad's cool. Yeah. Yeah, because there's no, there's no, like, beating somebody around the head with the same shit. Like, what are you doing at that point too? But then shouldn't you take that as your own advice? 100% you should definitely take it. And that, you know, that leads into how much you're willing to allow yourself a break too. Like, and I'll tell everybody too, you know, on the mats, I'll tell people, I'm like, dude, listen, this is a fucking hard sport. It's probably the hardest sport to learn there is. So go easy on yourself because you're not dealing with something that's just anybody can pick up and do. How good are we at telling other people to forgive themselves and never doing it for ourselves? Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's a, a fairly common trope with people that are not. Oh, I meant that generically for the human yeah, race. Yeah. Yeah. But particularly for people like us who are non-neurotypical. Um, and what so, does non-neurotypical oh, um, mean? So neurotypical would be what they, it's kind of the new term that they're badging. Like neurodiversity is the term that they're badging a lot of these isms with. Right. So your ADHD, your autism. Um, OCD. Blah, OCD, blah, blah, blah. Yep. classic Asperger's, stuff mm-hmm. like that. And so they're sort of mentally or they're recategorizing that under a broad term of neurodiversity. Right. Um, so that there's a less like. Because everyone's on spectrum. Yeah, 100%. Everybody's got a spectrum or aspect there and then everybody's got, you know, little quirks and stuff like that. So it's much more beneficial and inclusive, I think, going forward to understand that everybody's, you know. Everyone's normal. A, a neurodiversity there. Yeah. That is normal. Spot on. It's what we would consider like not touched by the tisms. Right. Um, we're automatically predisposed to being harder on ourselves than we are on everybody else. Mm. Um, and, and that's that's not necessarily a hard, fast rule. Like obviously there's some aspects there of autism where you know you're the right one and everybody else is the wrong one. Um, and that's a different thing. <laughs> but for the most part, I think. You know, <laughs> that's most of my daily life. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, like I think there's that aspect there too because 
you know, you're coming at things from a different angle to what most people are. So therefore you're also probably not respecting your own, you know, capabilities enough. You know, you're not saying, hey, like I don't need to be, I don't need to have the mental gymnastics of fucking, you know, somebody who's a high level physicist because that's not my skill set. What I need to do is have a really good ability to be able to, I don't know, like like in your case there, you know, you're really good at seeing patterns or pathways for patterns to go into. Yep. You know, whereas I'll identify a pattern in a problem, but I don't identify with the solution area. I can identify where the problem needs to be attacked. Yep. Um, and you can identify very well exactly how we need to get this shit or what's the best way to systemize this so this is not a problem anymore. You and I talk about this all the time because I think, you know, not blowing hot air up your ass, I think you are one of the smartest people I know. And I think your ability to learn broad spectrum things is amazing. Like I, I don't see that I don't see that quality often in a lot of people. Hmm. I think and and you get worried that I run myself into the ground saying that I'm not intellectually smart. I'm not. And I'm not academically smart either. I can't learn based on theory. This is why I've never been able to finish the degree that I've always wanted to do. Yeah. But I'm never, I'm I'm not, I don't have that capability. I learn, I learn really well. And if it's something that I, you know, for whatever reason is going to benefit me on some level and I'm engaged with, whether it be my work or my, you call my work my art, and I don't disagree with that. Um, I'm really smart in a focused lane. Yep. Super smart in a focus lane. You are super smart broad spectrum. Yep. And I think that's really important to to understand and acknowledge the difference on those as well. Yep. Well, and see that that even, I mean, not to paint a broad, too broad a brush, but it's a classical example of ASD living with ADHD, right? Yeah. Because, you know, you are very, very capable of focusing in and niching down on something in a very hardcore high level and very, very high level proficiency. Yeah, I am that person that has to knock three times and if you only let me knock twice, it hurts my head. Yeah, yeah, and you're very much about like, hey, you know, in and not to overdo a, a um, analogy, but you're the, you're, you know, mentally you're a Mussolini. The trains must run on time. Yes. And so, you know, from that factor there, whereas me, I'm kind of like, yeah. I'll throw enough chaos at a situation until it fucking comes my way. Yep. You know, <laughs> if the trains and, don't run on time, you'll just catch a bus. Yeah, if the trains don't run run on time, then I'll figure it out on the fly. And you know, that's its own thing because I'm very much about like being thrown into a situation and just can roll with it. How the hell do we survive? Well, I think because we've learnt now that we celebrate each other's strengths yes. and we support each other's weaknesses yeah. without um, criticising them, without criticizing them, but also not enabling those weaknesses either. Yes. You know, you're, you're brilliant in the sense, like for me, you're people, <laughs> yeah, I'll take a step back there because I, I started a thought and then I had a thought that actually needed to go before that and then I had another thought that previously went before that. Yeah, you you found yourself very amusing, was, and then we were all lost. <laughs> I hope I didn't lose it. Okay, um, and so people people will often 
term you as like they come to you for a bitch slap. Yeah, that shit's and that's that's the it's it's a misnomer. It's a misnomer because it's only a bitch slap if it should have been a surprise. (laughs) 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 You know, I know that's a very, very coveted saying, but like, you know, did you think you couldn't treat your wife the way you do? Or did you think your kids deserved that treatment? Or did is that what you thought? And a lot of my bitch slapping, as people will call it, is me being honest to them about them. Mm. When they go, why did this happen? You fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> if you're going to ask the question, yeah, I'm going to give you the answer. I, I feel you. But I don't give myself any less of those answers No, and either. that's the part that, you see, that's the funny part, though, is that when people are receiving information they require, not necessarily information they would like, you know, there's this tendency to go, but but I wanted you to make it okay for me. That's not what I'm here for. No. It's like if you're coming, like, you know, and this comes down to people's roles in people's lives and stuff like that and how we view each other. Like if you already understood that Karen is going to be truthful with you in every aspect and defend that point of view, then why did you even ask the question of Karen? Like if you didn't want reality, go ask some other moron. Yeah. Not come and ask Karen because Karen's going to give you A, a point of view, and B, an answer with a probable fucking call to action and a plan on how to achieve. And here's the thing. Here's the thing to keep in mind. I don't give those opinions if I don't care about you. Yes. I sit very quiet. I very rarely have an opinion. I will listen to people talk and I'll go, oh, right. Yeah, because how many times do you get told that like, oh, well, you told me to do this and then it's just- Oh, no, it's not because of that. It's because if I'm bitch slapping you, it's because I'm invested in you. If I'm if I'm giving you my yes. opinion, if I'm it's because I'm trying to help and my delivery might be harsh. Mm. And if that offends you, then I can't even say I'm sorry at this point because I'd be lying. I'm not sorry that my delivery was harsh. That's who I am. Yeah. And I have tried to work through softening, especially for people who I really genuinely care about yeah. and don't like how abrupt or can't handle how abrupt I am. Yes. If I don't care about you, if I don't, if I'm not invested, if I'm not interested, then I just won't give you anything. Mm. And so that's where I used to get really hurt because people would go, oh, here's that bitch slap. But I love you and I'm trying to give you, I'm trying to impart my experiences or my journeys or I'm trying to stop you walking down a a pathway that I know is going to be detrimental to you long term. So why aren't you shutting up and listening to me? (laughs) No, but it's true though. Like, I mean, hey, if they've come to you with this thing and you've invested the time and- Sometimes I just had my opinions and- (laughs) Yeah, well, sometimes it's needful too. But, you know, like if, if- yeah, I would never go to a shop and then buy a vacuum cleaner and then go back to the shop and go, hey, well, I bought a vacuum cleaner and I vacuumed the car- house once and it's it's dirty again. 
It's bullshit. Yeah, the vacuum cleaner didn't work. So, well, yeah, because you've got to religiously use it, can't like you can't just go. And even if the things you are hearing you don't like, it's not about like, well, I'll just gut it out for this one time. It's like, no, well, if it's consistent effort required, then you're gonna have to gut this out more than once, bro. You're gonna have to get real comfortable being uncomfortable. It's I I don't know. People are gonna get so tired of hearing me say this, but you gotta own your worth. Yeah. You gotta own good and bad. All the good shit. And as importantly, you gotta own the bad. Yep. And owning it doesn't mean you're prepared to change it. Sometimes just like my delivery in in how I talk with people when I'm trying to impart advice, you might not like the way I'm saying it and if that offends you, let me know and we'll try and work through it. But I'm not going to change who I am at 50, learning the lessons I've learned, becoming the person I am. And I can finally say, I like me. Yeah, I like who I am. I'm proud of who I have become. I'm proud of the fact that I'm still open to learning and growing and trying new things. And I, you know, if people are going to be offended by the way I am, then that's on them. That's their offense. That's what they've got to work through and either come along with me for the ride and be my friend or don't. It's in 100% your choice. Yeah. And for clarification too, I think it's, it's valuable to outline to when you say like 50 years and I'm not going to change, this is not a circumstance of go, you, a leopard doesn't change its spots and a dog can't learn new tricks, right? What that means is that Karen is going to continue to be as much of herself and do it in the best way possible and continue to grow for as long as possible. Yeah. And see, that's, and that's a very different thing to this just, is me. This is me. Deal with it. Yep. Like, absolutely. Because one thing I've noticed, and two, and I was just as guilty of it in the past too, of being reluctant to seek out your advice because sometimes it felt less than fun. <laughs> but ultimately, you know, the the value that I see in that is that you will never. I don't think anybody could ever accuse you. Like, you will never ever steer somebody down a path that you feel is not good for them. And you will never, ever lead them in a path that's going to be destructive or take away from their life. I don't want to spend the rest of the day sitting here like this talking. I want to get up and enjoy our Monday afternoon. Mm Mm-hmm. I do want to, however, close this out by saying thank you because I know unpacking what we unpacked in the first hour of this was a huge thing for you to bring this level of honesty to the table. Thing. And I appreciate it. Well, it's, it's, and thank you for acknowledging it, but it's also something that I feel very passionately about and that is that all things should be seen under the light of day. Um, and so, you know, even you know, I, I want to make sure that everybody sees every aspect of my life. Yep. Um, because then I can live, that for me is a clean conscience then mm-hmm. because everything I've done, you know, I do with intention and everything I do because I'm 100% certain that it's not untoward or not taking away from other people as well. 
and so you know even I guess for today I mean thank you for the opportunity and the suggestion and thank you for the time to take to this morning because I really needed that um and that's another part too you know that that's for a takeaway for people is that sometimes you don't have you're overly fatigued with the emotional feelings and that you cannot simply re-delve back into those emotions straight away. You sometimes need that time and space. And so you allowed that for me. We got to have a good afternoon yesterday afternoon. We got to do some archery. We got to sit with the animals for a bit. And it was just an opportunity for us to touch base with normality for us um, and just to be in each other's presence with no feeling negative or anything like that. We could just enjoy it. It was, that was um, like not curative, but it was definitely healing for me. Yeah. Um, and then it allowed me to have, you know, a tw- you know, a night's sleep so I could come in here with enough strength this morning to be able to recount it. Um, you know, and it's not, don't get me wrong too, for people out there like to talk about this stuff is not just easy. And I've just woke up today going, I'm good to go. Like right now I've got a blinding headache because I've invested that much of my psychological energies into this and had to turn my brain back to that spot. So I'm pretty tapped out, but it will come back in an hour and I'll be good to go and we'll have a great day. But it was important for me to not set an example, but to, by way of, I guess, communion with people, you know, allowing them to go like, this is me this week. It's tough. It's shit. I've got mates this week that I've spoken to that I've got a, um, one fellow there that's a five-year brown belt that I trained with, bumped into him at the shops, and, you know, and he was saying that this this week, you know, he goes, man, he goes, I, he goes, I'm, I'm really struggling this week, man. He goes, and I, you know, I saw you and I just thought I'd ask you, like, you know, you're at the same level I'm at. Where, what are you thinking about when it's coming time to get your promotion to black belt? And he really was struggling with his identity in the jiu-jitsu sense, but I think it's a broader issue that he struggles with his identity at larger. But, you know, we're all going through patches of shit at the time. We're all thinking less about each other and so... And less about ourselves. And less about us. Sorry, less about ourselves is more the point that yeah. I was going with. Sorry about that. So. Thank you. <laughs> you know, so you allowing me the time and space to be able to get these thoughts out, I just want other people to see that, like, this is part of it. You know, this is not necessarily what we would typically say normal. You know, being in a depressed state is not a normal state to be in, but there are patches of normality that have depressed states and this is where we find ourselves. It's not a destination, it's a journey. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, and, you know. I. It was really important for me to be here this morning with you for a couple of reasons. A, I think... Being able to have yesterday afternoon and last night and strengthen a bit and now go through it and reflect on it, you and I will learn so much more again yep. and be able to, you know, even even better tackle the next one because they, they will come, right? They will come. Yes. There's no denying that. As importantly for me, though, I talk to a lot of wives Every week and predominantly in the defense space and by, you know, messenger and DMs and whatever. I want their partners to hear you. Yep. I want their partners to experience 
this side of the journey because I want their partners to know that they're not alone. I want those men largely that are very similar to you in personality, that are like-minded to you in their approach to life and all the rest of it, I want them to hear you. Yep. And hopefully, you know, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of them out there initially that'll go, fuck that, blah, 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 it's not me, it's never me. Yep. But it is. Yep. And on their bad days, they're not doing their best work for their partners and that's okay for as long as they're acknowledging it. Yep. And they're working towards it being less and less every time. Yes. If you can't see growth, I can understand divorce. Yeah. Yep. And that yeah, absolutely. And and in that case it's probably the right decision if people aren't willing to turn a microscope onto their own behaviours and psyches, then how the hell are you ever supposed to expect anybody else to come along for the journey with you? exactly right. Know your worth, the good and the bad. If you don't know it, how will anybody else ever learn it? Yeah. Thank you for being my ride or die. Thank you for being mine. Hey, guys. If you enjoyed the podcast, why don't you head over to caspage.com.au where you can see other information we have to provide and also maybe pick up a copy of our book. My Broken Soldier. Thanks for listening. This podcast is a My Broken Soldier production. Hey guys, if you enjoyed the podcast, why don't you head over to caspage.com.au where you can see other information we have to provide and also maybe pick up a copy of our book, My Broken Soldier. Thanks for listening. This podcast is a My Broken Soldier production.